Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ghouls in the House. I'm Arnold T. Blumberg. And I'm Natalie Latofsky. And uh, if you've come to this episode via any of our social media, you would have already seen the banner for the episode and probably are wondering what's going on because we are particularly off the map in some respects, but in others, not at all, really. It's Mm -hmm. a very apropos selection of films they also mean a great deal to one of us so i'm going to let you take it away (laughs) to start things off this all started because and granted this was right before hbo max started setting all of their own movies on fire (laughs) but we were like flipping through oh what's been added or whatever for the month and i saw that the care bears movie showed up on hbo And I kind of half seriously, half jokingly said to you, you want to watch what's probably the first horror movie I ever saw? And you looked at me like, are you crazy? And I said, no, the Care Bears movie is a horror movie. And I think one of the things we started talking about right away is that despite the fact that we have a slight separation in years for when our our respective like sweet spots of childhood are for things mm-hmm. have a lot of similar obviously we have a lot of similar interests but a lot of similar things and one of the things i've often talked about and i know you've seen some of it now is that i grew up for instance with all the rankin and bass stuff and it's only occurred to me in recent years how much horror there is in all of their stuff including like winter bolt and uh, the, the the snow wizard and creepy horrifying looking stuff so it makes total sense that really most kids i think first experience with horror is whatever animated movie or animated specials you see that have those elements in it and for you it's the care bears movie it makes sense and it's also 1985 by the way a direct link back to our previous episode from space vampires to care bears are they the same thing we're gonna find out Arguably, you could draw parallels between Life Force and Care Bears and that both end in like a totally apocalyptic, bleak <laughs> Earth. They do also feed off emotions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like they were both kind of hitting that same zeitgeist at the same time, but one ostensibly for children. Care Bears are also not wearing clothing. I'm just Sometimes kidding. they wear raincoats. That's true. That's true. They do. And hats. I stand corrected. Which is what then makes you realize they're not wearing clothing the rest of the time. But like, I guess they just don't want to get their fur wet. I know. It's like a lot of good cartoon characters. When they put on a jacket, you suddenly think, but wait a minute. There are no pants. <laughs> <laughs> they're so, cute. They sing. They're cuddly. They live in the clouds in a rainbow wonderland. And also they fight evil spirits that are trying to suck all the joy off of the earth and leave everyone in just apocalyptic chaos. You don't know what you're doing, Nicholas. Listen to your heart and you'll find the truth. Where are they? Care Bears, stare! (laughs) Hey, too we read a lot also before we were watching, like the like a lot of these things. It was mainly a huge toy line for which all of the media was in support of trying to sell the, the toys. And they came to Nelvana, mm-hmm. which um, was really just getting started at that point. They did the movie Rock and Rule. I don't know if anybody remembers that. They also, for a while, were almost going to do a Doctor Who animated series, but it never went anywhere. 
Um, the recent Doctor Who animated series look like Nelvana made them. Yeah, and the thing is, we uh, by the way, for a little uh, side plug for ourselves, you can uh, check out the ATV publishing book Red, White, and Who for a complete rundown on the Nelvana involvement in the development of an American Doctor Who cartoon. Well, they and started as greeting cards. Yeah, as American greetings. As, right. as many of the sort of 80s cartoon toy lines did, at least in the the sort of fluffier rainbow ear corner of of the world like strawberry shortcake started off that way too right then that was also nelvana right and as we'll talk about i think a little more later on with the sequel there's also a strong christian like religious undercurrent to a lot of the stuff that really becomes more prevalent though only in the second movie yeah it's yeah. not really it's not the first so, one so much it's not so forward in the first one i mean obviously except for the fact that they do live in the sky yeah in like a cloud castle and they fly cloud cars and slide on rainbows and they're friends with stars who kind of function like angels a little bit the stars are adorable they are adorable little squeaky anthropomorphic star things but rest assured, Ghouls in the House fans, we are talking about horror movies here. We really are. We really are. Because um, this one, this first one, includes the Necronomicon. It really does. Or at least a version of it. It's Baby's first Necronomicon. It, it is. There's an evil book that contains a female spirit that's like a demonic, talking about demonic green ladies. Mm -hmm. uh, we continue that thread, too. She's determined to possess this young magician's assistant. No, you can't. Don't do it. Stop. You don't care. He don't care. And give him everything he wants. There's also a very strong line, the witch in the wardrobe element to yeah, this. Yeah, very much. Um, in fact, that was one of the things I wrote down is, and, and not, not necessarily in a bad way either, but just that these, both of these borrow liberally from a lot of familiar children's literature and other children's cartoons and things too. And Arguably a lot of children's entertainment borrows all from yeah. other children's entertainment all the way back to, to the fairy tales and stories that got right. kind of sanitized for children over the years for me, one of the things that will tell you right off the bat that like creepy stuff is going to happen is that you only have like two main settings that you're seeing at the start of the movie. One is like happy cloud land and the other is like a carnival, but not like a, a like a state fair like everything's joyous kind of carnival like this is a sad carnival this is like a something wicked this way comes kind of yeah carnival. and so you know your main character is like a down on his luck magician's assistant who arguably fettuccine is the magician <laughs> the great fettuccine and uh, nicholas is his assistant nicholas also is some kind of indentured servant he like lives with fettuccine but fettuccine is not a blood relative as far as i can tell it's not like oh that's his dad or his uncle or whatever it's like he's just stolen this boy child and he lives with him and drops stuff a lot he's like the worst assistant and we don't get to find out until the very end actually so you know usually for us spoiler alert for those of you who haven't <laughs> seen the care bears movie um rankin and bass stalwart mickey rooney 
who's the voice of Santa Claus in a lot of the Rankin and Bass stuff, is the voice of our narrator, who we find out only at the very end is the adult version of the young magician, which also, as you've pointed out, conveniently throws this entire movie into question when we get to the sequel, which is a prequel, because this entire film is told to us by a character who may be altering details. Yeah. Note, note how specifically I'm already laying out the continuity requirements for the sequel to the Care Bears movie. <laughs> Look, fans gonna fan. I mean, it's... if we're gonna take this seriously, yeah. which we are. He's not the most reliable narrator. No, he isn't. So basically, he's one of our main like human characters. And our other two main human characters are a pair of orphan siblings for some reason. It's like they gotta be orphans. I don't know why they can't just be kids, but they're orphans because they are. Um, which now I can't remember her brother's name, but she's Kim. I know she's Kim. And uh, her brother's not really that important to the story. I'm looking right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not even. Kim and Jason. Kim and Jason. Oh, yeah. And the thing that made me fall in love with it instantly enough to certainly be able to carry me through multiple movies. Which, by the way, I love how right from the beginning you immediately set up for me. You said, we are not watching the third one. No, we're not watching the third um, one. There is a third Care Bears movie. No, there's not. But that's it. We're done. It's dead to us. Okay. But the thing where the guy was, oh, Mickey Rooney. He was Santa Claus. And then all of a sudden, really, the main bear, certainly in the first movie, sort of like fades back a bit in the second one, is mm. Tenderheart Bear. And for a minute, I was like, boy, Tenderheart Bear sounds just like Rudolph. And it's Billy Mae Richards, the voice of Rudolph. So I thought, oh, nice. So it's like a lot of the same familiar voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Harry Dean Stanton providing the singing voice for Braveheart Lion. So by the way, this is also an episode connected to Alien. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So you've got these like magical bears who live in the sky and just want everybody to love each other. Uh, you've got two really cynical orphans who don't want to make friends because everybody abandons them. Two talking bears fall out of the sky and are like, hey, kids, we see you're sad. We want to be your friends. And rather than saying, like, what the hell is that? Is it a talking bear? Like, what is this? Instead, like, we don't make friends, you jerk. And like, just walk away. And it's like, good on you, kid. Like, don't even question it. Like, no, like, we don't need anybody. And then, like, another bear gets dispatched to, like, deal with the magician's assistant who's also sad. Like, they're bears who get dispatched to try to handle sadness just by telling you that, you know, you don't have to be sad. You could just not be sad. Don't they have, like, they have, what is it, the caring meter or something up yeah. there that shows them when people need they them? They have a caring meter. It makes, like, a really sad sound when people stop caring where it just goes, <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, like, bongs, like, by the way, a what- death knell. What occurs to me now for the first time is mm-hmm. like when they appear to the kids in the universe of the Care Bears, would they appear to you looking as if they're real living bears with that stuff on their chests in different colors? Or would they look like animated stuffed toys? They were all animated, so I don't know what you mean. I mean, would they look like stuffed toys moving as if alive or would they look like a living bear? I don't think they thought that through. I'm curious about that. But if you want to really take it there, like that new Winnie the Pooh slasher that they're making, (laughs) I guess you could be like, they look like bears and they don't actually talk. They just go. But they have chest tattoos that have what what thing they are related to on them. We digress. 
And basically before the bear can like talk to Nicholas and be like, you also don't have to be sad little friend. Like Nicholas is tasked with emptying out a big trunk full of crap that Fettuccini has purchased, stumbling upon this book. And the book like opens the book with the key and this like crazed spirit just starts talking to him in a super creepy voice. Like, the voice itself tells you this book does not have your best interests at heart, even if it is a talking book that promises you all your dreams will come true. That sounds great. But also the voice should tell you perhaps, you know, like what's in it for the book and like for the spirit lady. And they don't ever really get to the core of like what the spirit wants except no. that it's just kind of just so chaos because the care bears are god and the spirits the devil and nicholas yeah. is job or something i and don't that, know they really put the fine point on that in the sequel yeah they really do so nicholas gets possessed by this book who like basically tells him look i can actually turn you into a real stage magician here and then intentionally causes him to screw up his show so that everybody laughs at him so that the book can then be like, I can help you make them stop laughing at you. And he's like, let's do this thing. And then he makes every like person in the circus tent start just like hating each other and tearing each other to shreds. And he's like, hey, that's pretty good. I like this. Like now they're not going to laugh at me anymore. And it's like, um. It's like an incel origin story. Yeah, it's like crazy. And then in the midst of all of this, like the bears kidnap the orphans and make them babysit or right. something or is that the second one uh i think that's in the first one or no that's it? the second that's one that's the second one right. yeah 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 because in the in the first one sorry, sorry. Folks, we're confusing the care bears movies <laughs> we shouldn't do that they don't kidnap children until the second one and this one the children go willingly uh i think or they kidnap them i don't know somehow the kids end up in care a lot in the in the clouds and basically, the Care Bears have to figure out a way to stop the very sad magician's assistant from destroying the entire world by sucking it dry of all good feelings. And it's just insane. It's insane. One thing you also learn, again, more so even in the second one, is how willing children are in this universe to make an immediate deal with Satan. Mm. or some representative of evil i mean one like as you point out the book is not even remotely trying to hide the fact that she's a malevolent spirit living in a book and he's like all right help help yeah me like she doesn't use a disguise or anything no she's just an evil green bald lady disembodied in, in a, head of book. doom a lot of cackling she also looks like the evil queen, by the way, and the, uh, I would say obscure, but I don't think it's really that obscure anymore. It's just that if you, if you never saw it at the time, it's not exactly when you come across anymore. The, um, the animated adult film, Shame of the Jungle, which was like, uh, like a racy adult animated take on Tarzan that in the American release replaced what I think was French cast with an American cast that consisted of lots of people from Saturday Night Live and National Lampoon. I know what they say about me. They say I'm a pernicious she-devil out to rule the world. But I have feelings like anyone else. And if I don't get hair, real hair, before tomorrow, heads are gonna roll! And then what is it? They have to, like, put the key in at the end and... 
Yeah, well, I mean, first, like, Tenderheart Bear has to go on some kind of hero's journey with the kids. Isn't that always that the he's way? got? I know, right? Where he's like, all right, like, all the evil forces that are afoot on the earth are, like, causing chaos in Carolot and everything's falling apart and, like... Most of the bears have got to just figure out a way to keep the place patched together so it doesn't, like, disintegrate. And he's like, well, best we can do is just, like, try to sail down this river and figure out, you know, what's going on. And they make an adorable ship with stars and rainbows and clouds and such. And they end up in, like, a weird jungle forest and meet all of the non-bear versions of... The Care Bears, essentially. Yeah, so in this first film was the introduction of the Care Bear Cousins, which was going to be an offshoot line of toys mm-hmm. featuring one of every, let's say 47 bears, but there's only one of every other animal. Right. Which is going to make the Noah's Ark A monkey, a lion, a horse, a pig, but a penguin for Very reasons. specifically, they meet them for the first time mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Remember that, folks when we get to the sequel and then there's a nice joyous little song when they all meet each other so that's another thing don't forget these are musicals also and they're songs so that happens as Mm -hmm. well that's when you bring in harry dean stanton to sing for the lion who cannot sing yeah um neither can the kid but that's not stopping him oh that poor kid (laughs) whatever whoever is playing jason the, the youngest kid really oh, can't sing, but they got him doing it anyway. Let's name and shame him, shall we? <laughs> it's uh, Sonny Besson or Beeson Thrasher. That is, that is the name. He cannot sing, but that does not stop him from trying. Canadian former child actor who was in a live action show for Nelvana called the Edison Twins. Mm. And then also did My Pet Monster, Garbage Pail Kids, and a number of other things. Um, and last worked around 1995. Talk about weird kids horror from the 80s, my pet monster. That's a whole nother. Maniac Mansion's another thing. (laughs) Um, Uh, But in any case, yeah, there's a lot of songs. And in the end, basically all the Care Bears and the Care Cousins and the kids converge back on the carnival, which has like devolved into truly apocalyptic state it's it's really chaos at the end. So creepy. Nicholas has gone full evil villain, taken up residence in like the castle that's part of the roller coaster ride of the carnival. Set up a whole lair with the book, and the book is like, now we're gonna suck the feelings from the whole world. And the kids like, wait, wait, what? The whole I just I was mad at the town and. I don't know about the world. She's like, the whole world. By the way, also people have pointed out, and we looked this up and we did it. You know, there's like a lot of Lovecraft in here. There's mm. the Sorcerer's Apprentice. There's a lot of people who have looked at a lot of the elements of this as borrowing from a very, very powerful tradition of not only fantasy, but horror. And it all comes back to that book. Cursed books with spirits in them. Yeah, it's creepy. It's really creepy. And there's this moment towards the end where the like book demon lets out this unbelievable like howl of a cackle that will like turn your blood to ice now you keep mentioning like this is what you think was the first horror movie you saw probably did it really hit you when you first saw it like do you remember this like was it unsettling was there some i mean was she like something that stuck with you 
when I was, even when I was younger, I was never really all that scared by things. Yeah, like, see, to me, it's a couple, it's the dummies for me. Mostly because I've, my entire life had my own issues with suspension of disbelief. Like, even as a child, I've always known what was real Mm. and what was not. And so the possibility of something that was not real, feeling real, wasn't something that really happened that being said i can tell you for a fact i remember two things as a kid that really frightened me one of which was watching um dark crystal and i could not watch that for years like all the creatures in that really just just scared the heck out of me when i was a kid i was older but i've never liked the look of that movie and i mean i understand there are people for whom that's a thing very uncomfortable the whole fraud or fruit whatever that is that that whole uh aesthetic area that whole aesthetic yeah i cannot stand it and i don't mean that i dislike it like i don't think it's quality work it's that i find it so intensely off-putting i can't look at it and so, yeah. the other one that, I get it. that got me was there were these sort of dark fairy tale. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if we looked up. It that was, was like Showtime, Showtime, I think. That yeah. was the, the uh, Shelley Duvall and the uh, fairy tale theater, I think it was. And yeah, they I did. remember watching the Rapunzel, oh, not Rapunzel, uh, Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin. One. And Rumpelstiltskin is just a, a creepy little bugger, like. It was fairy tale theater, and Shelley Duvall was one of the the main ones. I think who ran the whole thing, and like every episode was just filled with uh, with name people. And the Rumpelstiltskin episode has Ned Beatty, Hervé Villachez is Rumpelstiltskin, um, and uh, yeah, those were those were pretty good actually. But I just remember watching it, and they're all very dark. And there is this very. moment where he's trying to sort of like get his paybacks and Rumpelstiltskin just like pops out from under the bed Mm. to talk to her. And I remember I was sitting on my parents' bed watching it on the TV in their room and their bed was literally the only one in our house that actually had an underneath to it. Like, (laughs) like there was actually an under their bed. And I remember being like paralyzed, like sitting in the middle of the bed thinking like, how do I get down from this? And for years, if I I ever sat on my parents' bed, I jumped onto and off of it so that I would be clear so that nobody could grab my ankles. That kind of left an impression on me. Care Bears movie, not so much. Maybe because it was animated. Maybe because I just really liked Care Bears. I don't know. But it still was very dark and i feel like it kind of shaped my own personal aesthetic which is like a a healthy combination of like rainbows and apocalypse (laughs) it's like a little bit of both and by the way i can also say post 50 i really like the fact that we currently have a bed that has no under I just like not having to worry about that. That's one thing, Nothing's coming out from under there. One thing off the list is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're terribly sorry. Can we give you a hand? Let's give him a big hug. Oh. No. Now, we watched two Care Bears movies. We did. And also, I should mention, by the way, before we move on to Care Bears Movie 2, A New Generation, which came one year later. 
one of those examples too of people seeing the dollar signs and the success and going make another one fast and while this one still hits on a certain level if you're interested in the first one there's diminishing returns and like you said there's there there may have been a third one but we're not doing that but anyway it's important to note that the care bears movie for those of you out there that don't know as i didn't really or paid much attention to it until this point coming out in 1985 was a massive hit because it came out at just the right time to be in theaters when disney was having its sort of black cauldron era downturn and care bears movie was like the only animated game in town and it was phenomenal apparently a massive success story a massive success story that nelvana found out all of a sudden they were trapped in as a production company working on materials for which american greetings still retained all the rights so they didn't get to see nearly as much of the money as they could have made if it was something they owned themselves but they still made the sequels and and stayed in the, the business story, the story goes that they were given the option of having a flat fee payment or residuals and if they didn't take the flat fee payment they wouldn't have been able to pay right all of their invoices for the creators they had no choice but to take that flat fee it's, it's an interesting story for anybody like uh, certainly me but like anybody that loves also reading like history of animation and pop culture and all these kind of things the whole story of the making of the care bears movie is fascinating because they were like up against the wall they were so over budget in terms of what they were capable of as a production company, they needed the money up front or they couldn't have handled it. Mm -hmm. And they screwed themselves completely on what turned out to be one of the only times in modern history where Disney couldn't beat them. And the Care Bears movie was a huge success. And so naturally, the next thing that comes up is do a sequel. And also naturally, it's not... I mean... <laughs> You could say different. I don't. I don't think the Care Bears movie lives up to the level of like a, a lot of other animated films. It's, no, it feels very much like a lot of these things. It feels more like something you would have expected to be produced for television. Yes, that just happened to get a theatrical release, and it's like fine. And then they make the sequel, and it definitely feels like we've taken a downturn. Although a number of the uh, people involved, both behind the scenes and animation. And voice cast, including Billy Richards, come back for the sequel. But what I think we found immediately, in, and for you revisiting it, is the religious aspects of the storytelling seem to be much more upfront. They really go straight from the antagonist now not being like a nondescript spirit in a book. They quite literally say that Darkheart is basically Satan. Yes. And use all the iconography of red and the devil and Satan. Mm -hmm. Shape-shifting. Yeah. And the idea of making a deal with the devil in this. And the songs are not, not nearly as good. I mean, the songs are a certain caliber in the first movie already. And now we're at a, a lower level. But then in addition to that, it's a prequel. And yet... They completely screw up the continuity of their own little universe by showing the Care Bears and the Care Bear cousins uh, starting off together, despite the fact that they didn't even know them in the first film until later. Right. And uh, yeah, they all I started was, together as babies. Apparently. I was very confused. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they they screw up their own continuity. A lot of people who are fans of 
of Care Bears in general are upset about that. <laughs> um, still? Are we, are we still all upset? <laughs> some are. I mean, continuity doesn't bother me quite so much bothers you, but we've kind of constructed our own our own in-house version of, well, since the first movie was Nicholas telling the story yeah. as like a bedtime story to kids, maybe he just didn't quite understand all the details when it came to the care cousins and, right. you know, because in this one, they do talk about how for safety reasons, they split them in half. For some reason, all the bears get to stay in heaven. It's like Luke and Leia hiding them from Vader. It's right. Like we we got to split them up so nobody finds all of them in one place. So uh, bears get to stay in heaven where everything's made of clouds and magic and rainbows and cupcakes and things. And anybody who's not a bear has to go live in the jungle and vent for themselves. Oh, yeah. And also the grandma bear is missing Mm -hmm. in this one. Just because it's a prequel. So maybe one of the other bears will eventually be grandma bear. But they also set the bar for horror very high in the sequel Mm. and kick us off immediately with a massive dragon attack. Yeah. It's not it's not holding back at the beginning. It's like all uh, the little babies are like in the bowels of a ship, like yeah. trying to get them to safety and then some Satan dragon is trying to drown all of the baby care bears and care bear cousins and uh, through the magic of love or something, uh they manage to get to shore, but then they're like, Oof, that was a close one. And then we get Darkheart show up, and he's mostly, is like summer camp setting for this one. Darkheart is mostly in the guise of a young boy to try to work with the kids on their level, presumably, although he's evidently some kind of immortal evil being. Yeah, possibly. a Darkheart really wants to get at the Care Bears, but since Darkheart can't quite find the Care Bears or get to them because they have protections in place then uh, decides he'll go after children since children are what the Care Bears love. And the girl in this makes the deal with him immediately. Immediately. With with no discretion whatsoever. It's basically like your standard sort of summer camp story is you got like a bunch of kids who were super athletic and a couple of kids who were misfits. And in any other movie, there would just be like a regatta or something and there'd be redemption. But in this case, a shape-shifting devil shows up to make a deal with her that can make her like stronger and faster than everyone else. And all she owes him is an unnamed favor to be cashed in at a later date that she can't refuse. He also laughs like a uh, phantom of Crankor. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also the weird part where he accidentally knocks himself out. She saves him. Yeah. And it genuinely doesn't seem like he was doing it as some sort of ploy, which is usually what the devil does. He actually did just knock himself out, and he's like, you saved me. Wow, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, and then tells you you shouldn't have done that. That was probably a bad move. And also, we were talking about the timeline of this. is crazy. Like, the bears all seem to grow up over, like, the course of a weekend. Yeah, this is the movie where a couple of kids from the summer camp, the ones who are misfits but don't make a deal with the devil, get kidnapped <laughs> by the care bears, who then drop them off with a whole bunch of infants and are like, we got to take care of some stuff. How do you feel about changing diapers? And they're like, wait, what? But by the time they say that, the Care Bears are gone and they've left them with a whole nursery full of magical animal infants who have to be changed and fed and rocked. But there's also like 
robots that help them and like conveyor belts for diapers or something. It gets a little Willy Wonka up there in Carolot. It's, it's a little weird. And like that's just one day because they come back at the end of it and they're like, see kids, you're good at something. Taking care of magical baby animals. <laughs> and they're like, I guess we are. We're not useless after all. So it's like, okay, I guess. But their friend, meanwhile, is down on Earth, like, taking advantage of the devil deal. Yeah, and becoming like a sports star. At a camp where there are no adults, not a yeah. single one. This is like Peanuts territory. Even worse than Peanuts territory. Because in Peanuts, you get the impression the adults are there. We just never see them. Uh-huh. This seems like there are no adults ever. Never. You never see an adult in this movie. You do in the first one. Not so much in this one. No. And there's really not much more to it than that. You have Darkheart that's sending out some kind of like demon entity. Oh, the lost smoke monster. Yeah. And like the two adult bears that aren't the baby care bears are like chasing this this smoke monster around thinking it's dark heart while dark hearts like keeping them busy so that dark heart can trick all the children bears care bears care cousins stare call You have won today, but I'll be back. Also, it's a really creepy thing when you find out that Darkheart has like captured all of the bears and has frozen them into the chandelier. Mm-hmm. Like they're all in a chandelier prison. It's creepy stuff again, and 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 unlike the first one, this has actual Satan in it. But where's God? See, that's the other thing about Satan stories. The problem with Satan stories is Satan automatically suggests the existence of God. But God presumably is using the Care Bears as his army. Well, this one has kind of like a bearded moon That's right. Thing. Oh my God, that's right. Yes. That's kind of yeah. your, your absent God. Yeah, there's a God star. That's <sighs> right. Oh yeah. my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, right. In fact, at one point you asked me, it's like, if the stars are angels, like, does that mean that there's like consciousnesses trapped inside of each of these little stars? And yeah. are they dead people? Like, do they represent dead people? See, it's like, like we don't know. question earlier about are the care bears in their universe living bears or stuffed animals that move and talk? These are questions that need to be answered. And and also I remember that at the end I scored a good one because when we got to the end and they have to like, you know, send their waves of joy and everything. That's when I said, set your tummy beams to kill. (laughs) Which has become a battle cry at our house. Because they have tummy beams. Yeah. And much like the Ghostbusters, they have to cross all their tummy beams (laughs) in order to vanquish the spirit. It sounds so much more horrible than it really is. But mm-hmm. it also is still kind of horrible. Well, also, the Care Cousins don't even get tummy beams. They just have to yell. They say, like, Care Cousins call. And then they all just go, and then they, oh. the music of their howls mixes with the tummy beams and it takes down evil. And then the movie shamelessly rips off Peter Pan and does the Tinkerbell scene where they ask, like, all of us to participate. <laughs> 
and and shout i believe and dark heart becomes a real boy because like, all of a sudden satan is pinocchio and suddenly it's like i love you and and he's all right now he's still a ginger but his eyes are normal that's right because he has red eyes yeah, yeah. He dresses in red is where he has red eyes until the end when he becomes a human. Which Look, if a if a ginger guy with red eyes in a red tracksuit just walks up to you <laughs> in the middle of the woods and is like, I can make you special. You want to be a soccer star or something? And it's like, yeah, sure. It's like just like that. Children? Sign it in blood? Sure. No. <laughs> just just say no. Don't touch the thing. Just don't touch the thing. Don't talk to the shape-shifting forest devil. All he wants to do is hurt the Care Bears and he's just using you. Set your tummy beams to kill. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Ghouls in the House featuring Natalie B. Latofsky and Arnold T. Blumberg. You can find Natalie on Twitter at NBLatofsky, that's NB Lit of Sky, and Arnold at Doctor of the Dead, that's me. Our movies this episode were, get ready for it, the Care Bears movie, 1985, and Care Bears Movie 2, A New Generation, 1986. You can count on us! Ghouls in the House is an ATV Publishing production. Check out our other podcasts, books on your favorite fictional worlds, and other assorted goodies at www.atvpublishing.com. 